don't give it like a the podcast platform of the Phenomenalist by Leopold Lambert. Today, the architecture of gender in South America with Liliana de Simone. Hello everyone. Today my guest is uh, Liliana De Simone, uh, who is an architect and a urbanist uh, and uh, teaching in the Department of Arch Architecture and Communication at the Catholic University of Santiago in Chile. And uh, that's actually where we are doing, we're having this conversation uh, in this uh, second step, uh, second step of, uh, of, um, of this series of uh, conversations in Latin America. And uh, so she's also the founder of the online collective platform uh, Ciudad y Genero, uh, City and, and Gender, which we will talk about uh, extensively in this conversation. And she currently is a, a PhD candidate in uh, urban studies. Uh, hello, Liliana. Hello. Um, so maybe just to start this conversation, uh, I, I might ask you what this PhD is about, and then we'll, we'll, we'll start with... Uh, with this uh, very interesting topic of the city and gender. Of course. <laughs> well, um, hello everyone. <laughs> uh, my PhD thesis is about how consumption places have changed, how we uh, socially interact between each other. And uh, I have an historical point of view about how Latin American neoliberal cities have changed uh, after the arrival of uh, stranger foreign uh, consumption places like shopping malls and and similar, and how the urban society have changed uh, with these arrivals, and how these uh, global spaces uh, land in in very specific places in in Latin American context of vulnerability, poverty, and segregation. That's it. Well, um, and uh, we, we'll we'll also see how, for example, this notion of vulnerability also uh, touches the problem of gender Absolutely. a little bit later. Uh, but as I was telling you when we were preparing this conversation, I think uh, uh, we'll try to have uh, this conversation very much uh, uh, trying as much as possible to 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 make it specific to um, to where we are, so Santiago, Chile, Latin America. But maybe to begin this conversation, I think uh, uh, we also need to uh, introduce a few um, a few axioms, let's say, for this conversation that are based on, on, on researches that uh, you and me and many other people have been, have been uh, noting in, uh, in, the, in the action of designing architecture and designing space, designing the city. Uh, which is very much that the, all those spaces are based in when they're being designed mm -hmm. in the anticipation of, of a very standard standardized body, mm -hmm. a very normatized body, Absolutely. and obviously this body has a gender. This body has uh, various characteristics that makes all the others marginalized by by this um, by this process. So I, I, I guess I would like to hear you mm -hmm. about it before we, we start to be too specific. Absolutely. 
Uh, well, I think we should start about uh, how the modern ideal of society uh, had this abstraction, this a real abstraction of a perfect uh, human being and how these democratic societies, we talk about the parents of, of democracy like, I don't know, uh, Rousseau, Locke, uh, Hobbes, and they spoke about these universal rights, uh, universality uh, rights, but always referring to an ideal, an abstract ideal of human being that is androcentric. And this androcentrism, this heteronormative way of being ideal, left outside all the other ways of being human beings, uh, like women, of course, but also kids, uh, elderly, older people, transgender, and many other ways of being uh, that are not gender specific. So when we have to speak about how we build our cities and our buildings today in a globalized world, and we uh, discuss about the modern architectural paradigm, paradigm uh, that we have still, like the Le Corbusierian idea of Le Modulor, mm -hmm. and how these men uh, with the ideal uh, forms and structure and uh, size uh, begin to be the began to be the the, the measure of things and the measure of quotidianity too. So all the architecture that has been built after this uh, machinist abstraction of the human body uh, is lacking all the diversity that the human body has. Uh, not only gendered, I, I repeat, but also in the multiple ways of being uh, embodied so we also are speaking about different uh, ethnical backgrounds, different different uh, ways of moving, moving in the city, in the space, different ways of approaching emotionally to spaces. So all these spaces, all these geometries of of uh, of, of mobility, are designed for these heteronormative bodies that are uh, a machinist abstraction that we. Heredamos, hereditated mm -hmm. uh, from uh, this Le Corbusierian idea of the international style and the um, modern movement in architecture. Mm -hmm. And ma maybe we should also uh, say that I mean the the, uh, the modular of Le Corbusier by Le Corbusier is, is particularly uh, uh, exemplary in what you're in what you're describing right now. But if we think of of maybe other people who've been trying to elaborate this, this and to theorize this normatized, uh, uh, normalized body, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of Dreyfus or Neufert, uh, mm. and uh, I mean, we, the interesting thing is that we have to give them the credit of being well-intentioned in, <laughs> in their, just like in the entire modern, modernist dream, but obviously yes. intention is irrelevant. And and uh, and so so I mean in the in Dreyfus drawings you, mm. you you do find you do find several standardized uh, bodies you you find you find a, a man you find a woman you find even a, a disabled person but at the end of the day 
when you look at those drawings, they're saturated with dimensions, standardized dimensions that um, that 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 are contradictory in their very existence in the fact that it, they are simultaneously idealized and standardized. So it's trying Absolutely. to describe as many people as possible, but it's idealized in the sense that it actually, at the end of the day, describes no one, right? That is the paradox about architecture and city planning, that you usually tend to uh, come to a, a, an agreement, a negotiation, where the standardized bodies, the standardized inhabitants, citizens, can uh, be uh, beneficiated at the most, you know? It's like a, a, a mathematical abstraction of summatory. So if we can like uh, recognize as many different uh, ways of being different, we shouldn't be worried about all the different people we are putting together and that they, their difference uh, do not concur and do not uh, meet. So all architectural way of thinking and all the urban planning way of thinking is based on this uh, abstraction. There is way positivist and ways, way, uh, in, in many different ways. It's also um, coming from a scientific approach of living. So uh, we have to, I think, to rebuild how we project, how we design for difference and not for an abstract equality. So also I will think that we have to re rebuild the way we think uh, about making a summatory of the, um, the, 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 the needs of a specific design. But uh, you're saying that all these manuals, uh, the Neufert and, and similar, tend to be abstractions uh, of cultural abstractions too, of cultural stereotypes of a white Anglo-Saxon men and, and women in addition, and disabled in addition to that uh, heteronormative way of being in the world. So how can we apply a Neufert in Latin America where the, uh, the, the, the standards, the, the, the measures are quite different? So I think all these uh, standardizations and also many of the feminist theory that has been uh, speaking about space, about politics, about ways of being in space, has to be uh, translated, culturally translated for this context, Latin American context or a cultural uh, determinated context, uh, because we cannot assume that these ideas, even if they were like uh, well motivated, uh, they can include uh, diversity mm -hmm. because they can even imagine maybe. Yeah. this diversity no, and I mean the, the well motivated was a, a provocation from yes, my end course. in the fact that obviously every every uh, uh, we could say every fascist project is well motivated <laughs> uh, but um, so obviously when when you talk about that and in the articles you've been sending me uh, you're you're um, uh, uh, unavoidably referring to someone like Jadid Butler but you also you're also referring to someone else that uh is often 
misinterpreted within the architectural uh, world, which is uh, Henri Lefebvre and his his right to the city. So I, I would like you. I would like to hear you about about this application to the right of the, to the city for all those marginalized bodies. I think the ideas of Lefebvre uh, that are so in vogue now mm. and are being like resuscitated. They tend to be, uh, I am not an expert of in Lefebvre by any way, but I think his main idea f about the right to the city has to be with his concept of trialectics of space, you know, like this space that is a form, a, a, a rigid form, constructed form, but also um, a story, a narrative, and in the other way, also an experience, an experimented place. So all these dimensions, even if they are not uh, physical and touchable, are important to the construction of the idea of a city. And in the architectural and urban planning field, we tend to uh, left uh, outside all these uh, other ways of building city in political and ideological terms because of this paradigm we were talking about about this egalitarian paradigm uh, about uh, this project have to meet uh, as many uh, necessities as we can define but the definition of the necessities is a work of uh, ideological narrative and an interpretation of the reality. So to be recognized as an architect, as an urban planner, as a person who, with so much power is not very uh, well received, you know, because it's very fascist, as you say before, like to decide uh, who's, whom uh, needs are going to be satisfied and what are not going to be satisfied is is uh, a very um, a dictatorial way of thinking about constructing. So, I think if we have to go back to to, to Henry Lefebvre and uh, his idea of the right to the city, I think uh, it's most important about recognizing this uh, way of being other and to design and to think about the po power exercitated by being the other. He also talks about this being the third, you know, like uh, like the third rising, the, the, the being not only me, the other, but also putting yourself in the way of thinking, a third way of being. Mm -hmm. So like uh, looking for um, go be uh, superar like uh, go after the, the the binarism about woman and man about uh, uh, normative heteronormative and also being like open to third ways of thinking the the, the space so is the main um, Desafio, I like I'm like the main challenge uh, for uh, gender urban conscious planning because 
thinking in a third way of being that is not woman and that is not men and that is not a gendered body but uh, a body with rights to the city uh, it's a different paradigm of urban planning mm -hmm. we have to start like from difference and not from equality because equality is a paradigm it's, a, it's an abstraction that it's real. Um, so I mean a little bit later in this conversation we're going to talk about the idea of um, uh, maybe uh, approaching this problem through the what, what I might say the, the positivity or the, the productivity of, of policy making mm. in the city but um, before we do so I'd like to stay within a more um, uh, let's say uh, the, the within within the critique of of, uh, of what the city uh, how the city is built and uh, and how it it has um, a tremendous implication in terms of the the, gen the construction of, of something like gender and and uh, as I was saying earlier I think it's interesting to do it within the specificity of where we're talking mm -hmm. from and uh, and so I think I think you have many uh, um, case studies whether in Santiago or, or in Medellin in, uh, in Colombia uh, that that are particularly uh, striking um, for that matter so uh, could, could you please talk about that? About urban policies that are being made uh, with gender approach here mm. I will have to say that we're very <laughs> re um, how do you say like reluctant reluctant about it yes I think we have to start uh, after after hearing many of the podcasts about gender you have uh, been posting I have to say that here in Latin American context we have a delay gigantic delay about being conscious about these issues because we tend to be more conservatives and we have this um, Catholic matrix also that tend to be uh, very expressive in the way we talk in the media in, in many other places but I think uh, we have starting to see these gendered issues uh, more expressed in, in, in other areas like in the uh, in the standard movement um, in other way of, of of thinking about the appropriation of space in a political way so I think it will be uh, in, in, in a little later how we, we are going to translate these new ways of thinking space and gender in urban politics. This is the case of Chile. Because in the case of Medellin, they have built an amazing structure, an amazing political structure, an administrative, uh, for letting a organized woman to have a place in the municipal government. Uh, the, the story of the Secretaría de las Mujeres, Women's Secretary uh, in the state of Medellin, it's amazing. They were a group of women who uh, organized themselves uh, in the years of the the war, the drug war, 
So 1990s. Yes, right? the 90s, the end of the 80s, in the 90s, and they organize uh, for activism, for protecting themselves, and in no way thinking of a political um, position in the government. But they uh, create a web, a net, of uh, vol uh, voluntaries, and they managed to put the, the main specific problem of women in war, in conflict, uh, to the eyes of the, of the media, to the eyes of the politicals. So they were like absorbed as a, a committee in the municipal government, and in the last 20 years they have like emerged uh, and gained power and gained uh, like budget for doing things, and with a very uh, theoretical approach that they managed to like. Contagiate, con, con, like a contagious, mm. uh, with the, uh, the the co-workers, their co-workers. So it's it's very great how they work. They uh, go to the budget uh, office and they say we have to make this um, a, a female approach budget because the way you're giving the money of the municipality to the citizens is not uh, gender conscious and it's not the way as we as a society, Colombian uh, conservatory society manage money so many of the political the, the, the urban policies um, uh, public policies tend to replicate uh, specific cases of Europe or North America uh, that in a way of uh, humanitarianism tend to uh, think they can help or, or, or build uh, projects uh, for, for, for helping the, the, the most segregated or the more vulnerable. But this way of importing urban policies uh, have the lack of uh, not considering the cultural approaches, the way of thinking about money, about family, about space, about street, about the bancarian uh, system, that are absolutely uh, space determined and time determined. So the effort they are they have been doing is to translate specifically, translate and to. Uh, translate in a language that the co-workers, the, the, the guy working in budget, the guy working in streets, the guy who um, see the urban lighting project, they can understand, they can be touched by it, they can be sensibilized by, by the gender issues, and uh, they in incorporate it to, to the way of doing work. So it's a very different approach of what we uh, normally see uh, from feminist group who tend to be politically active uh, from being revolutionary or from being uh, sometimes also very violent. 
I don't think that is is not okay. It's another way of of uh, being being active. But the way they are doing it is like convincing, convincing how this can be uh, better. How can this be uh, better managed? How can this be more effective? Even speaking with terms of a neoliberal economy, you know? Like, this is more rentable, this will make more money for us, or this will waste uh, less money for our projects. So we have to incorporate this woman, or this woman vision, of this kind of gender uh, problem, because uh, their main focus is not to be, like, uh, coherent, in a political discourse or in academic discourse, but to get things done. So, uh, I mean, in, I, I understand. Uh, I understand um, this uh, stra strategy of, of uh, policy making and uh, and uh, getting things done, as you describe it. Uh, but basically, in the if we take the city of Medellin, uh, uh, which is a uh, I think the second biggest city mm -hmm. in Colombia. Right? Uh, uh, w if if I go there tomorrow, how would I perceive the city as being the object of such strategies? Uh, what would be like concrete examples of it? I think the concrete examples of the this uh, this organization, it's uh, that every urban project you are that has been built in the 10, 15 years has this uh, questioning about how the other sees the project. It's not like a, a project who s that starts from this egalitarian paradigm that I was telling you before. It's a project that recognizes difference. For example, Metro Cable, the way of uh, this new project that connects the center of the city and the, the, the highlands, the, the the most poor uh, neighborhoods with a quality of space that is also uh, recognizing rights and recognizing the, the rights of the elderly, the kids, the women, and the, uh, also the men to access to the city. So, so just to explain mm -hmm. to the listeners, we're talking about a cable car, right? Yes, In yes, Metro Cable, yeah. cable car. Mm. That is this uh, public transportation project that uh, was built in the most poor parts of the city with the best uh, Swiss technology and with standards that are like uh, Scandinavian, you know, uh, of public space and of construction. And because they thought that putting money in urban projects was an inversion, was a rentable thing to do. It was not like this uh, humanitarian uh, thing to do with the, the, the most vulnerable, but it was an inversion, was um, an investment, sorry, <laughs> uh, for the future. And you can see how these spaces, the way you access to the Metro Cable, the way you get down the, the way uh, you move is has been think uh, for many different forms of body a woman a kid a woman with a um, how do you stroller. say a stroller mm. 
uh, a disabled. So all this consideration of rights to access to spaces uh, was applied to uh, very vulnerable people, very vulnerable projects for poor people. So you can see these things in the city. It's, it's very uh, expressive because now there is a high contracts in poor neighborhoods, uh, in very segregated neighborhoods, but with this infrastructure that is taken off from Europe, you know? <laughs> so it's really uh, an amazing city. And you can see that this discourse of getting things done that also the, the Secretaría de las Mujeres had been working about, uh, you can see it in, in, in all the in all the projects that has been built after the in, in the last ten years, you know. The Biblioteca de Giancarlo Mazzanti, La Biblioteca de, de España, it's also a project that has so many considerations about other ways of being in the city, uh, mainly for kids. It has another uh, approach, spatial approach, not from the heteronormative way of thinking. So it can be as simple as making stairs look different or making stairs with different, uh, ma making, um, how do you say? Um, benches. Benches with different measures. It can be really simple at the end, the result. But if you can contagiate, like make a, 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 a at the end of, of the discourse, like gender mainstreaming, you know, a, a very uh, commonplace now in the urban policies in, in Europe. Gender mainstreaming wants to say like making uh, gender issues something natural to think. So all the solutions have to come with this way of thinking uh, incorporated. Mm -hmm. But um, I, have a, I have a question here, which is something that I've been wondering about for quite a while and uh, don't really have an answer for, mm -hmm. but uh, you were describing a little bit earlier, talking about the, the cable car in Medellin, how uh, the cable car considered, let's say, um, a child, a disabled person, uh, a woman, a woman with a stroller, a man. And I'm, I'm wondering if the number of bodies considers, uh, considered, sorry, um, I mean, it certainly matters, especially in a strategy where, where you want to get things done. Like, But at a more absolutist level, let's say, is, is there, isn't there something problematic as well about the fact that uh, people like architects would get to decide uh, what is a woman with a stroller and and like I feel we're we're going back mm. a little bit to the, to the idea of a standardized body there might be more yes. of them but there's still very much some of them yes I think that's the main problem about building mm -hmm. that you have to come to a negotiation between the abstraction and the finally uh, work of <laughs> material work, you know? So the way we think, the way we live in, in a social contract uh, that is materialized by a city and the thinkers of the city, uh, it's mainly recognizing 
that all our difference have to put down to put up our, uh, uh, our similarities and to find a way our similarities can determine uh, how we live and how we build our habitat. So the work of the architect in this subject is a, a political one, I think, because there is a choose, it's a decision uh, in how you pretend to uh, standardize because you will have to come to a, a result that is payable and that can afford uh, as many necessities as a city can 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 be be needing and i think this political role of the architect of the urban planner about choosing has to be uh, changed from his beginning like thinking for flexibility thinking for uh, appropriation and not for usability the paradigm of, of, of productivity that is in our world, the usability, is a way I think it's possible. Like thinking the possible uh, appropriation, multiple appropriation of urban design and of uh, the, the, the buildings, the building forms, uh, I think is a way of thinking like the, uh, the, the, the not being like uh, the one who makes the final decision of what is good and what is bad uh, in, in using mm -hmm. the city. And maybe what is a body as well. Exactly. Because yes. I guess my, my, my questions behind the one I just said is, is that why do we think we know what a body is to begin with, right? And, and I think the problem of gender is very much based on that. Absolutely. Mm. It's like the, the concept of otherness of Judith Butler like something we can imagine, we can't imagine uh, because we are not the other but for thinking for designing for the other you have to be as flexible as you can in these uh, determinations of form, of body, of measures, of way of living so it requires almost a, a an ethical a, a, a completely new ethical approach of what it means to design because you are deciding the form of the world and and if you have to take the final decision then this decision must be uh, open for otherness um, I think to maybe uh, conclude this conversation uh, there, there was one last um uh, one last question that uh, it was important for you that mm -hmm. we we uh, we uh, talk about, and uh, it's the problem of uh, of resilience mm -hmm. in um, in in relation to gender still uh, uh, in after after uh, various uh, catastrophes and uh, I mean we're we're in Chile <laughs> right now with which obviously. Is on the, we surely a, oh, know. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a very precarious uh, uh, situation, uh, as uh, as every country is along a, along a seismic uh, a seismic fault like like this one, um, uh, and I think that was that's that's maybe what your recent research mm. uh, has been about. So could, could you tell us more about it? Yes, I have been working uh, on this. Uh, resilience and gender spaces subject uh, 
also because I have been working before these catastrophes on how uh, to think from the otherness, from this other approach, uh, other spaces that not seems very flexible, like shopping malls and consumption spaces, like I was saying to you before in the beginning of the, the interview. And we can see how the normativity of body and normativity of gender has been structured as a normality in a, a way of being in society today. So in this crisis moment, in this catastrophe moment, all these structures tend to break in a very dramatic and traumatic way. And the difference between uh, the productive and reproductive work tend to emerge uh, in a very uh, sad way, we can think. Because uh, the, the division of work, the division of rights, and the, the way of thinking, like the role models of being a woman, being a man, after a catastrophe in the first weeks after a catastrophe, you see like it's a, how do you say, like um, a retrospective, retrospective. Like, it is. like going back really yeah, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. time. Yeah. And reverse. In, yeah, exactly, yeah. a reverse phenomenon. Because, for example, in the last uh, fire in Valparaíso mm. that burned uh, as, um, five or six uh, neighborhoods, the houses that were left in nothing but ashes were kept uh, by the woman because the places were not secured as like the limits of the family space. So the woman had to resign to their works and stand there 24 hours a day protecting the family space from the municipal agents who came to see how to rebuild, but also from other families who tend to uh, um, take profit of these catastrophes and go to a better place near the streets, near the, the, the center. So the protective uh, work of the woman who maybe one week after, uh, before she was working and she had incomes and she had uh, liberties uh, in, in, in contemporary war, they were reduced to a pre-modern way of thinking, uh, woman labor as a protective, as a reproductive. And I was telling to you like a, a cave a representation of the woman. So it was uh, for me like very interesting to think about these issues, about the gender uh, dimensions of catastrophes, and how uh, also urban policies tend to replicate these things, even in, in a more dramatic way in moments of crisis. Uh, let's speak about how the government helps the families, and what is the figure, the legal figure to make the help get there, like the father of the family, you know, the one who have to sign. And while the woman kept the place, the man has to continue providing. So all these uh, things that you can say like, no, this, this is so, so 
uh, over tend to emerge in times of crisis and it's a very urban crisis crisis it's a uh, urban uh, subject because we are speaking of space right to the city right to the uh, the, the urban policies like to to um, be um, able to 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 accept to to access have access to these these uh, new structures of rebuilding the city and it tends to replicate all the uh, geometries of power that are mainly uh, observed in other uh, ways of, of thinking the society so it visibilize these geometries of uh, the, uh, the, the difference between, between genders and it built over uh, these geometries of uh, difference and it tends to replicate even more the difference between uh, women and men in, in urban context. I suppose we, um, uh, we we've been very specific about the the city, as you just mm. said. But it, it's true that uh, usually we tend to think of those problems in terms of uh, society or something mm. that's not necessarily specialized. Whereas uh, thinking of it in terms of uh, special issues, yeah. just like the example you just gave of like this woman who had to quit their job to to basically occupy the space that. Mm where they used to live too, but that became vulnerable, is very much a good example of, of the negotiation of space in when space is actually limited, which is exactly. which could be the definition of the city. Exactly, yeah. yes. Uh, and, well, and this space lasts the, the, the conflict, the conflict space. So you have to be there to exercitate your presence as a citizen, but is the woman who can stay and not move and the men continue to move because the mobility issues in contemporary cities and the gender issues of mobility are another different <laughs> things that we could speak uh, <laughs> another day maybe yeah. but uh, the way of accessing the city the way of moving between uh, the places it's uh, so gender determinated not only by violence that we were speaking before, like the uh, unsafety places or uh, insecurity of moving, a woman moving in the city in several hours, I don't know, or how she dressed. That is very uh, like uh, popular uh, subjects now in social media about all these campaigns about uh, acoso sexual and all this thing. But also, you can see this violence uh, reflected in other ways how, how we plan mobility, urban transport in the city. So the violence for a woman is not only aggression, physical, mental, emotional aggression from a man to the body of a woman. You can see it in the planning policies of metropolis and how you pretend to divide the reproductive work with the, the moving through the city for a productive work and turning back that is a way of thinking a male routine and it not um, 
it not consider other ways of living, other ways of movi bodies moving through the space, and other ways of uh, like um, appropriating the space and time, you know. All right. Well, Liliana, thank you very, very much thank for you. talking to me today, and uh, and uh, uh, thank you for being part of this uh, of this very rich series in uh, Latin America. Thank you so much. Thanks. <laughs>